people of Earth. Give hope. So we're going to start this episode with a voicemail from Adrian in Hawaii. <laughs> wow, what a story. Thanks for sharing it with us, Adrian. Hey, how's it, ladies? What's up? This is Adrian from Kaneohe, Hawaii. Um, just calling to say how much I love the podcast. It's been so great. I love, it's such a niche topic, you know, but it is right up my alley, and I love it. I can't believe some of these freaking stories. Uh, anyway, I wanted to share mine with you which was right around 1990, the wave was cresting with the MCs, the hip-hop thing, but it was with a live band, kind of a rock and hip-hop thing, kind of fusion thing that was going on. Anyway, my little cousin Ozzy had been playing drums for this hip-hop group that was two MCs and a DJ and a beatboxer, and they were, like, kind of popular in locally in L.A. I got to jump on and start playing bass with them, and then there was this other guitarist. So part of it would be the hip-hop with the DJ, and then the live band would start up, and then, it'd be, you know, we'd go back and forth a little bit. So we ended up opening for Chibo Motto, which was Sean Lennon's uh, band, and we played at what was at the time the Palace. Now it's the Avalon. But it's this huge place. And so I was super stoked to be playing there because I'd seen huge bands there before. Anyway, uh <laughs> We're, we're on stage, uh, we play our instrumental set with the band, and then it comes time to put my bass down, and then I'm just kind of hype man, jumping around, dancing around on stage a little bit, you know? But then I happen to start kind of making my way stage right a little bit, I'm hopping, I'm jumping, but I ended up like jumping up too much and too close to the DJ, and so the record skipped, and like way off the song, and it completely threw the MCs off, and everybody looked <laughs> at me, and uh, the MCs had to stop the song because it was just completely off. And the DJ was like, get out of here. Dude, go over there. <laughs> and then, so everyone was kind of looking at me. It was one of the most embarrassing things uh, that has ever happened to me on stage. And then while Chiba Mato was on stage, we did kind of a dick move, and we, like, went into their dressing room and took a bunch of their beer which was such a jerk move that a bunch of 20-year-olds would do, you know, but uh, that was that. And ultimately, it was a fun night. Uh, so, yeah, hope you uh, ladies keep it going. Uh, fucking awesome podcast. Uh, can't wait to hear more. Salud. Aloha. Well, I'm Marla. And I'm Willa. And we are the, the Gig, Gig Ho Ho Ho. Ho. <laughs> Holiday edition. Of course. Just when you were sick of holiday songs, we're going to give you more holiday stuff. Oh, my God. That's all I've been singing for three weeks. I know. <laughs> and then I went to the periodontist yesterday, and he had, like, Sinatra singing all that. <laughs> it's like there's no escape. If there's I was no escape. in the uh, – I was getting physical therapy, and it was like – you know, Bing Crosby, Chess. Mariah Carey. I mean, yeah. even Kelly Coxon is. Uh, oh yeah, out there. Yeah, I mean everybody. Because you no, know, why not? Let's I think there's Christmas. a version of "Baby It's Cold Outside" with her and John Legend. Something. I know. I was listening to the words, obviously, because we all know what happened. And what's in my drink? Yeah. Hey, what's in my drink? <laughs> they should get Bill Cosby to sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> that would really be perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, it's so funny how a song can seem so... Uh, Innocuous? And then 
and then it's not. <laughs> no, I know. In my holiday show, I, I opened by starting with Jingle Bells, which was written in 1857. It was played in a church because the guy who wrote it, his father was a minister, so he gave him the song. And they were scandalized by Jingle Bells because Jingle Bells is really about they used to have sleigh races in the dark. And they'd ring the jingle bells to let someone know they were coming up behind them. But they would gamble on who would win. So the church scandalized. And then also the sleighs were small enough that you could only fit two people. So if a young man and woman wanted a smooch without a chaperone, they could go out on the sleigh. So that was also a scandal. So, you know. Isn't it amazing how we're discovering these things? I mean, with the thing with the master bedroom. I mean, that's something I didn't know two what? years ago. What? When they say this is the master bedroom, it's related to slavery. Oh, yeah, right, the master bedroom. But I didn't know that five years ago or whatever. (laughs) Ah. Anyway, the holidays. So audience, I know some of you are are professional performers like we are, but for people that are not, uh, your holidays are... You're lucky. Your holidays (laughs) are a nightmare. (laughs) Because everything is harder on the holidays. I mean, the traffic is insane. You pull these songs out that you haven't played in a year, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> well, don't you, like, just before Thanksgiving, I pull out all that repertoire, and I roll over all of them to remind myself, because you play nothing but them for a month, and then you don't play them at all for the next 11 months. Right, you tuck them away. <laughs> and then there they are. What's your most not favorite? I have one. My most not The one I hate when I am forced to play it. I, I think I hate them all equally. <laughs> <laughs> I like the John Lennon one. That's really well. Good. Everyone, yeah, everyone likes that. Yeah. Um, but um, my my most I like Drummer Boy. Yeah, I like Drummer Boy. You yeah. know, the one I hate the most is Have Holly Jolly. Oh, Christmas. I don't even do it. I hate it so Ugh, much. <laughs> I know, but sometimes people ask for it. Well, I just tell them no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, audience. On a normal day, the ride that could take you 20 minutes could take you an hour and a half, especially Manhattan is its own nightmare zone. 40 minutes to go around the block near Rockefeller Center. Definitely. And so I have a story about that, which is I had a solo gig in an apartment house, very ritzy. Maybe it was between like, I'm going to say between 5th and Madison, perhaps, on like 56th Street or something, right in the heart of the beast. Close enough, yep. And it took me forever to get there. And by the time I got there, I didn't have a lot of time. And I had some gear. They had a piano, but I had to bring up, you know, my amp and my mic and all that. I pull up. The doorman says, oh, no, you can't come in the main entrance. You have to go around the block and come in on that. It was just on the other block. Like if it was 56th Street, it was 55th. You have to go to that entrance. I said, that will take me a half hour. He goes, well, I can't help you. And I'm such a dunce because if I knew... Then what I know now, I would have slipped the guy 20 bucks and he would have let me come in the front. Possibly. Sometimes they don't want to, like, get in trouble, it, you know. Yeah, you could be right. Because of security. But the upshot was I had to go all the way down to 42nd Street because I couldn't make a right, left. Right, They keep taking away all the turns in Manhattan. Especially during the holidays. So by the time I got to the other side around the corner, the gig started in five minutes. And I got there. And in a cold sweat. Well, yeah, I got there and I said, start playing. And then, and this is another part of the holiday party. The holiday party is very unique because, like, people are nuts around the holidays. <laughs> Whatever I played, this woman kept coming up to me, the hostess, and saying, I need it more up-tempo. I need it more up-tempo. I'm playing freaking Jingle Bells. It's 180 BPM. No, it has to be fat, you know, up, up, up. I don't know if she was high on something, but... White people. Oh, God, it's... <laughs> 
I can't dance unless it's like the, <laughs> like you, La Bamba. You know, and like after after twenty minutes of up up up, I'm playing chestnuts resting up. No, 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 no! I want it up, up, up. Yeah, it's crazy. Everyone has this illusion of what their party is going to be like. And, and on the holidays, it's on steroids. It's on know. steroids, and then it's always up to us. Right, because I think there's this desperation around the holidays, like, oh, I have to have a good time. I have to have a good culminating of course in new year's eve which is the the ultimate downer (laughs) for us well i love january 1st my favorite day of the year (laughs) it's over (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong i'm happy to be working in december but you know i used to i just you know i so i had the greatest gig on on new year's eve day through uh norman spiz his uncle connie owned a smoked fish store but it was actually they made it there, Ooh. right? It was, it was like a warehouse, kind of. But it was in Queens. For me, it was pretty close to my house. Rigo Smoked Fish, that was the name of Rigo's? it. Rigo's? Rigo. Rigo. Like R-E-G-O. Rigo Park. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what it was, I got there, and, you know, it was like a display case, like an appetizing store. And they'd have sable and lox and smoked salmon, all these things. And then in the back, they had the whole room where they did the smoking. And then off to the side, they had a room that was all in tile, the walls, the floor, big drain in the middle of the floor, big metal table where they would cut the fish to begin with, with right. a big drain in the middle of that. So it looked like, it really looked like a morgue. Like and a it was, slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of the same temperature as a morgue. I would have to like bundle up to play in there. Right. Otherwise the fish would spoil. <laughs> right. So it's like 60 degrees in there and I would bundle up. And but smelly. The, like the Fulton Fish Market gigs, like right yeah. across the street. It's in the, it's in the sidewalk, the smell. That's right. <laughs> So anyway, I would go there, and it would be from, like, whatever New Year's Eve gig I had. It was fine, because this would be maybe noon to three, you know, and then I'd go home. I'd have to take a shower to get all the fish smell out of me, and then I'd go to my, my gig. But the gig was, so I'd go there. I'd set up in a corner of that room with the tile and the big table with the drain. They would just put out hundreds of, like, little rye toast rounds with the, with like the a fish. little fish, like bite size, And then everyone in the neighborhood would come for free. And eat all this smoked fish. And my pay was was smoked fish. (laughs) It was 150 bucks in cash, a bottle of Dewar Scotch, and like a pound of sable, a pound of lox, a pound of whitefish salad. And I'd go home with this giant box, dump it off, do the gig. And then the next day I'd have people over for brunch because I had too much fish. (laughs) Ridiculous amount of it. It was like so great. That went on for years. Well, I'd like to go there one day now. If it's still there. Yeah, I don't know if it's still there. You have to show me where. Yeah, but that was a great... Maybe we can get them to advertise. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great New Year's Eve gig. Before the gig. It was like the preheat to the New Year's Eve gig. Nice. Absolutely. So it was like a long day. Well, you know, we're going to talk about some general holiday um yeah, it could be cause events I, because I see some Easter thing here. Tell well, that was that. the thing. Yeah, that's. I figure I'll talk about that. Um you know, when you're in the business of playing music, sometimes you know agents that do other things. And, sure. and one agent asked me to be the Easter Bunny. <laughs> full, full. Oh, full. Very full. Wow. And um, I you hope know, it wasn't outside. Were you schwitzing in there in the costume? No, that wasn't the problem. Actually, I did it. I've done it twice already. In the second year I did it, it was like one hour in one country club, and then I had to drive in to your costume. Country. Well, yeah, it was like right nearby or somebody was going to drive me. But the thing about this costume, (laughs) if you ever look at like an Easter Bunny costume, the eyes are very close together, Uh, you know, so you really can't see except out of one eye. So I'm like led around like a geriatric bunny by the the agent, you know. (laughs) 
So it's it's very strange. It's did like you, you just stand have an Easter basket? Well, yeah, I'm handing out candy to uh-huh. kids and wow. you know waving with uh-huh. my paw and everything. Wow. So now you, now you know what they go through. That well, there's people on, in Times Square, right? You know? Well, you know, I've also been Frosty the Snowman, and he had normal eyes, <laughs> so I could still see. And then on the <laughs> and then on the break, I would take my head off. Yeah. <laughs> But I'd have to go out in the hallway to do it because you couldn't let the kids right. see you, you know. Oh, because they'd flip out, right? Well, you know. Well, I had one kid say, you're not really the Easter Bunny. I see your hair, your ponytail in the back. And, and the kid was like eight. Like, no kidding, like, you know, Einstein. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not the Easter Bunny. That's what it took of you to figure it out. Yeah, God. So one year I'm like in the country club and you go around to each table and you let them take pictures with right, their with kids. Right, with Easter Bunny, right. So there was also this one room where they had, I don't know, like 20, 25 people. They had their own little private room in the country club. Right. So they say, oh, you know, you still got one more to do. Go in there. So I go in there and with all these people, they're trying to get them organized. They've already eaten. They're, they're talking and I'm sitting there on the side and I actually like start to lie down on the chair. So it's it's like a very funny visual <laughs> to see the rabbit the like exhausted you know, bunny. He just like bored and yeah. he's like so they were like laughing and I said, Yeah, it was like and I was just trying to play along with that. Right. But that's you know great. And then it turns out the guy whose family it was owns the restaurant that I do piano bar in and he goes uh-huh. he goes in my bunny ear, Do you work for me? And oh, then so I, he didn't know who you were? Well, actually, the, the secretary in the restaurant told him that I think that's going to be Marla in the right. bunny suit. So, <laughs> so he whispered in my bunny ear. Right. And then I said, Steve! And then I gave him a big hug. And everyone's like, looking, the Easter bunny is hugging Steve. Right. Right. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, it was just like a funny scene. I mean, that's kind of funny because didn't you do a thing early in your career where you had to wear like a Playboy bunny kind of an outfit? Yeah, that was very different. I know, but it's funny. You're I that can't bunny, stop being a bunny. And now you're that bunny. Well, now that I'm older, I can only right. be an Easter bunny. <laughs> That's what it's really, it would be really great to see the visual. Marla at 20, you know, Marla now, bunny, bunny. How about a Playboy Easter bunny, you know, yeah. like, just like it with the legs mm. and, and, and the bunny head. <laughs> so I'm going to tell two stories that sort of address one element of the corporate Christmas party. Because... And you can tell me if you've had this experience too. But another thing about the corporate Christmas party, because there are the bosses. So say it's like a law firm, right? So there are the bosses and the big boss who always makes a speech and everyone has to stand around and listen to the boss's speech, right? And then there are the worker drones, the secretaries or what, what have you. And you can always tell the bosses from, from the drones because they dress differently and they act differently. The people who are lower on the totem pole tend to drink more they get louder. They dance more. Well, this the, is their Christmas bonus. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it is, you know, but it's their chance to get maybe free booze, free food, you know, that they wouldn't right. be and able they overdo to afford. It. Yeah, and they overdo it. And so I've seen this in Amelia. Have you not seen Well, it? I've seen it on Seinfeld. Oh. Okay. You know, when she's like the office skank and she's making out with the guy. <laughs> right. Right. But have you not seen that happen for real on Christmas parties? Um, I, I guess I don't pay too much attention to the guests because right. I always feel like it's not my world. Yeah. But of course, you know. Yeah. So I was not on this particular gig, but I did the gig the year before in the same place. And my brother told me this story. And it's our old friend, MG, the keyboard player, right? So is it the Folk Art Museum, which is right next door to MoMA on 5th Avenue and 53rd Street? It's in a museum, right? It's a very high-toned law firm. You know, not a lot of people because it's not a big space. 
we're playing there surrounded by Mexican artifacts and stuff. So two things happened with, with MG. He was a notorious perv, right? And he was, I don't know about you, he certainly tried to jam his tongue down my throat. I know another friend of mine slapped him because he tried it on her. <laughs> so he took a break. And it was a trio, probably, because small party. Larry's playing. And MG is over there with, with the secretary, obviously the secretary table, because they're all too Young. drunk. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, and they're more flamboyantly dressed, let's say, right? He's got this woman. He's holding her like he's got one arm behind her waist. He's got her bent over, and, and he's just got his tongue all the way down her throat, right? He's just making out with her. Wow, that's pretty bold. And he's, like, on the gig. On the gig. Oh, yeah. This is his break. He's got her in this hold. He's... You know, and she's drunk, and he's taking advantage, right? And all the friends are sitting around watching it because they're drunk too. And my brother goes, uh, "Mark, you know, whatever his name is," and he turns around and he goes, "What?" And Larry, Larry goes, "We have to play," and he goes, "Oh!" And he just takes Drops his her? hand away and lets her hit the floor. Wow! And I said, "What happened?" He said, "Larry said, well, her head bounced on the floor, <gasps> and then her friends picked her up." And I mean, she didn't get knocked unconscious or anything, but geez, right? Oh, that's really low. Unbeli- that's very low. <laughs> and she probably woke up the next morning, you know. Why with, is this bump on my head? With little to no recollection. It's kind of horrendous, but this is what happened. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's still, she has some accountability, of course. But yeah, but she was very drunk. And then at the end of the party, same party, same guy, gets a big. A different girl? No, he gets a big uh, thing of tinfoil from the kitchen and he starts shoving all the leftover hors d'oeuvres into the tinfoil to take home. <laughs> so bad. Let's see, what other low-class thing can I do right? on this gig? I... Well, I have a funny story. It was at a Christmas party with my ex-partner, right? Uh, WP. Yes. And he was very flamboyant and funny. He was, you know, he had his moments where he was very charming. So anyway, um, it was an office Christmas party. They're in this other room. I hate uh, when they do that. For the cocktail hour. Oh, okay. Right? And they were going to be coming into where we were set up, and we had microphones set up. For some reason, the microphones were being projected into Into the the cocktail hour. I don't know. And guess what? Well, it might have been like while you were playing, while they were in the cocktail, you could play and it would go to the Except other Except we weren't playing. We were talking oh. and he was talking shit, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about how we did this gig for the Starlight Foundation at the Marriott. We used to do it every year. And a lot of times um, when the band was playing, you know, it was like hundreds and hundreds of people. Sure. Like some people would come up onto the stage. It was like a little kind of platform stage in right. one of the big ballroom there. Hmm. And they'd be dancing, and there'd be, you know, lighting. And then because of the lighting, some girl had a very transparent skirt. Oh, no. So he's, like, looking, and he's saying, I see Bush. (laughs) (laughs) And it went out all over everywhere? Well, actually, that was, he was talking about that, and then he was saying, I wanted to take the mic stand, and if there are children in the room, cover their ears. He said, I want to take the mic stand and shove it up her ass. (laughs) He said, that, he said that to the band? Over the microphone. But he, he, didn't up, he didn't realize he was saying was that on. over the microphone. He was telling right. the story. Yeah. And like some oh guy comes in and goes, uh, fellas, I don't know if you realize, but we can hear everything oh you're saying. The famous hot mic, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it happens to, to a lot of people. Politicians. Right? Yeah. Particularly. The hot mic. That's a great uh, yeah. title. 
Oh, yeah. There's something. Is, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what, but. Uh, yeah. Wow. So it was pretty funny. We were yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, because he was telling that story. And it was like. Ugh. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. So. We didn't get that gig again. For a while, Cy Kogan was the house band at the Grand Hyatt, which I don't know what it is now. I mean, it's changed hands a number of times. This is the one. It's on 42nd Street between Lex and Madison, this giant hotel. So he was the house band there for a number of years. So we were there like every frickin' day playing parties. Which place again? The Grand Hyatt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, with the big, long backyard. Yeah, that yeah, back. I definitely know. You know, with the trucks and, you know, it was Oh, yeah. I found brutal. a pothole there. Yeah. yeah, and you were talking about how one time you were trying to get past this garbage truck. The garbage truck. truck. Yeah, right. Yes. So we played a party there. This is so amazing. And it was... It was that era. Remember we were talking about when you had the little Casios? I had, like yes. We all had, yeah, so I had two little Casios at that time, one to play bass and one to play another sound. Okay. So it was a small band. It was me, my brother, Pat on drums, and Luke Computer playing sax. That was it. And we were playing a party for all the staff at the Hyatt. So they had the ballroom opened completely, right? It was a humongous room. There had to be 500 people there, right? All staff. And they were doing it. The party was three hours, and I guess they were staggering. You know, you could get an hour, an hour and a half. And right, and go back to work. Right. But at any given time, there were hundreds of people, staff members. So we're playing, and they're just partying their brains out, and they're having the greatest time, right? And it's the dance floor is a writhing mass of humanity. <laughs> and I remember at one point we were playing Whip It by Devo, you know? Yes, yeah. You know, and they're on each other's shoulders and they're doing this wild chain dance. And, right, you know, kind right. of went. they were dancing so much that the building was shaking. And this the is, dance floor. Yeah. This is the Grand Hyatt, you know, and what a it's surprise. Sh- <laughs> like shaking like that. And what happened was the management came in and stopped the party because it was guests were complaining because the whole building was shaking. And maybe and they, they knew something about the structure that was a little like, you know. I don't know. It was just people were having such a good time and everyone was dancing so hard. This is where, But the staff did not like that. And they started to riot. Riot? Know? Well, kind of, yeah. They were like flipping out. Play the music. Yeah, yeah. They were fighting with the management. I mean, it didn't come to physical blows. Wow. But it got pretty... We were looking at each other like, should we make a quick exit out this side? Because they really were pissed. And I don't blame them for being I mean, here finally they're getting to have their party. Mm, And because they're having too good a time, the management goes, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I guess people are going to complain no matter what you do. And they could have just given them one day, you know, let them complain. Three hours. Yeah. Three hours. Yeah. They should have just given the guests, like, some free food or something. Yeah, you know. Go sit in the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, they were really being kind of shitty about it, honestly, to not give them this time. Well, they probably don't really even want to give them that time. They just feel, like, obligated. Right. That's why they just, you know. Yeah. But anyway, for me, that... I asked Larry if he remembered it. He's like, of course I remember it. Because it's like very memorable because it was such a great party, you know. And I guess that's the flip side of Christmas parties and holiday parties. It can be magical and wonderful because people can have such a great time. And that happens too. Yeah, it can go either way. Yeah. Well, just last week I did um, a country club where we... You know, now I'm getting used to people wanting to do the 12 days of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people bring props, Mm. you know. But this time, the lady 
and she was nice, and they all said, oh, you're such a good sport. They wanted to have to act out every action. So right. it was like, four calling birds, and then I'm waiting for everyone to stand up and do a bird thing, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> so it's like I had a like, da 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 Waiting, waiting, waiting. Waiting each each time. I mean, yeah. it got a little faster than they got, you know. I mean, did it, they have, like, the, the same number of people for the thing? Like, did they have 10 people do 10 Lords Leaping? No, no. Okay. That it, that didn't. It was just each table had right. a different number. Oh, and then you had table. to wait for them to stand right. up. Right. And, like, Lords and Mill Maids of Milking yeah. was, like, yeah. like jerking off hand yeah. motion. I know. <laughs> well, you funny. know, yeah, because I had that one I do every year. And, and the two women that decided to do uh, Six Geese a Laying were, like, Humping each other. And, <laughs> and then the guy that had... Uh, Finally, we can do this in public. <laughs> well, you know, they're also... I, I always wait until they're good and drunk before I bring them up. Because they come up to the stage to do it. Who was the guy? I think... Whatever, nine... Well, nine ladies dancing, yeah. But it, right. But it went from nine ladies dancing to nine ladies shopping to nine ladies effing. And, you know... <laughs> That's good. I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty... It was and then pretty it makes good. it more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you have? There's this thing here I see about somebody eating rocks. Oh, yeah, one year. You know how, like, musicians keep losing their perks yeah. because somebody does something wrong? Right. I think it was New Year's Eve, and they have a big tray of locks. Why is locks always involved? <laughs> <laughs> There's always locks somewhere, you I know? know. You know that great moment in Trading Places, right? Oh, yes, when he stuck Dan the fish Akron. in his... No, it's the whole salmon. The, I know, the whole yeah. salmon, the whole yeah. fish. So anyway, I think it was Joe C. and Alan P. were on the gig. And Joe went to eat, and Robert Barry was still alive. We were working in his band. And I don't know why he took the fish with his hand. But it was the piece he was going to eat. But, of course. But he took a piece of lox with his hand? Yeah, he took with his hand. And that wasn't good. No. And then like so greasy and disgusting with your hand anyway. Yeah, and then he played guitar. He couldn't oh, hold God. the Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> But he got in trouble with the caterer. Uh-huh. And it wasn't, I don't know if it was because he used his hand or because he even just taking it. And I just remember the maitre d', you know, like, he can't have it. Why does he think he can have that? Uh-huh. And like Alan said, because he's talented. You know, oh, like, that's good. He gave him like a good retort. But that's I, really good. But I'm sure we never played there again. And, right. and I'm sure musicians weren't allowed to eat there. Because yeah. sometimes you can have a soda and sometimes... They make that even harder. I you know? know. And the further you get away from Manhattan, it seems like like Rockland County Country Club. They we, don't care. We, we ate. We yeah, ate everything. Yeah, no, it's Manhattan. Well, no, because so like I said, I remember that it was at a catering hall in Bumfuck, New Jersey, <laughs> and I took a mini quiche off. Oh, of, and he took he took it back. No, he told me to put it back. Yeah, I took a bite, and, and the caterer said, "Put that back." Right. So I did. But yeah, so, so it's, stupid. It's not only Manhattan <laughs> where that happens. Yeah, I guess it can happen anywhere. Yeah. So speaking of that. Club date sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember one Christmas gig I was doing with this sax player who I've mentioned before, but not by name. We called him Magnifico Negativo because he was always complaining about something. But we were doing a cocktail party. That's another thing, audience. Often the Christmas party is a cocktail party, and they have tiny food, <laughs> which is another reason the staff gets, the, the secretaries get drunk because they don't really have enough food. 
It's like a three-hour cocktail party, and they got tiny little pigs in blankets. Anyway, we were doing one of those. It was on the mezzanine of the Marriott Marquis on 45th Street and Broadway, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that worked. It was some corporate event, you know, Christmas party, but we were on the mezzanine, so it was, like, very fluid. The guests were all around us and everything. Anyway, we take a break, and we're standing by this giant bowl of giant shrimp. <laughs> And we're just eating the shrimp, <laughs> like, yeah, as many as we can eat in five minutes. Free shrimp. This would be $100. It would be. It was giant shrimp. And as hungry. we're chowing down on the shrimp, he goes to me, one thing they're never going to put on my gravestone. I said, what's that? He said, he didn't eat enough shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I, do you know who Mark Friedman is? He, mm-hmm. I think he has a band called Free Sh- or no, Rick Savage. Free, free Shrimp? Free Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever they're playing somewhere, it brings more people down. You should call your original group Free Shrimp. Free Shrimp. Well, or Free yep, Lobster. Free Lobster. Yeah. Free Crab Meat. Yeah. <laughs> free Drinks. Well, free Drinks, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a great idea. Has no one else thought of that? Well, that's what I'm saying. They His band is called Free Shrimp. I could be free drinks. Free drinks. <laughs> free drinks presents Edgy Cabaret. <laughs> Where Edgy Cabaret Pre- with free drinks. Presents yeah. free drinks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> you know, it is nice when we get like a nice meal. I mean, it's like you always wonder too, should I eat at home or should I wait till I get there? And Whenever I eat at home, they offer me a full course meal. Of course. Whenever I don't eat at home, I get nothing. My piano bar gig, that's one of the perks. I get to, dinner. I can eat, have an appetizer, dinner. I could get, like, drunk off my ass if I want, which I don't, because then I'll get sloppy. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just thinking about every band I've been in. I mean, now we're all older, so we're a lot more Speak moderate. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we're still gorgeous and wonderful. But every band that I've been in, the wedding band, well, all bands, but the wedding bands certainly, each one seemed to have its own particular mode of getting high. There were certain bands, they liked to drink, they drank. And then there were other bands that smoked pot, they got high. And then there were other bands that were into blow. But it was really weird because each band had its own character, what their, what their drug, what their getting high of choice was. I'm actually surprised that it aligned that succinctly you know because it really did it was weird of course and then there were bands that just like to do all of it at once (laughs) they're all dead (laughs) well (laughs) not all (laughs) so another thing that can happen in the holiday season that middle week you know in the teens you could have two gigs a day for five days in a row easy yeah it's always that week before Christmas Right, the week that's not in the 20s, the week that's in the teens. Right. And, and how often, it's almost inevitable, this year was pretty good for me because I got sick at Thanksgiving. But generally, it's that week that you get sick. And then you have the cold. Or, or the, the week before. I, uh, I've gotten sick on December 3rd, December right. 10th. Yep. But in, in the meat of the... And Always, then, yeah. Yeah. And before COVID... It wasn't even a question. No matter how sick I was, I, I went to the gig. I mean, I, re- I remember I had a, I didn't know it at the time, but I went to a gig. I had pneumonia. I went oh. to the gig. I had another gig. This was a Christmas gig, too. It was at the Intercontinental. I know the place well. Yeah, and I was playing the cocktail in a big room, and my friends even from Manhattan came by. They kind of slipped in just to see that. But I was so ill that when I stood up from the piano seat, my whole... 
back of my legs was soaked because I was running a fever, you know. Yeah, last year, the first time I got COVID, I knew I was sick, but I didn't know it was COVID Mm -hmm. until the next day or that night. I think I gave it to somebody. Um, (laughs) But if I didn't do that gig, that's the thing with what we do, Right. right? We're playing bass keyboard singing we're bringing the pa right and, you know and it's it, not so you can, and it's it, a trio so if i'm not there right like what are they going to do it's a saturday it's not like everyone is going to be free exactly so. it's especially if there's no time if it happens in the morning and the gig is at night and that's what it was i started to feel it on friday night and the gig was saturday right and i said oh, I'm, I'm coming down with something and i tried to oh give me a kiss no 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 don't kiss me and <laughs> and he still got it you know just being in the, right you know but it's so funny because it's so different now before covid no matter how sick you are you go to the gig right because what's the worst it's it's cold but then covid happened and now it's a whole other thing now. If I even feel myself coming down with something, I call whoever and say I'm not coming because I don't want to get people sick. So it's just amazing how the way that we look at it has changed. So anyway, one time, remember how you said you played in a car dealership once? Yes, the yeah. guy got fired that day. He right. knew he was getting, it was his last right, day. Right, right. But Larry and I had a Christmas thing like that where we played in the afternoon. We played a Christmas party for a car dealership. In the showroom. Right, in the showroom. And then our rock band was the Bassinets. We had a Bassinets gig that night, and we had to go from one to the other. And I had a really bad cold, and I had very little voice to begin with in the car dealership thing, but that was okay, because... It was just silver But then the Bassinets gig was screaming rock, you know, ACDC and singing all that stuff. And I got to the gig, and I'm like, Larry, you're really going to have to take it easy on me, because I don't have any voice left and he's calling ACDC and I started to sing it and one of our fans is in the audience so I started going for it and she just gave me the hairy eyeball like what the you know what's that that you're doing isn't it funny when you have to sing and like nothing I mean I've had that experience it was like oh my god nothing you know yeah it's just nothing because there's all this phlegm and I had another one like that where I was doing a solo gig so I had to do the gig at some country club and I had six notes that's what I had I had like from here, this note, this note, this note, this note, this note, this note. That's about as far as I had. So I'm singing like, sleigh bells ring, are you listening? <laughs> Should have done it in a minor key and been <laughs> like a death dirge. Right, I know. <laughs> I was just praying because it was like, again, a cocktail party. So I was like, I was just praying it didn't turn into dancing because that can happen, especially at a Christmas party. Yeah. I mean, the very nature of what we do. I mean, I, one time I got, I think I mentioned this, I got sick pay once or holiday pay once, but that just doesn't happen. Like I talked about my friend Peter who came to the gig with an IV on, yeah, on stage. Right. Yeah. He didn't want, you know, we don't get anything unless we show up. So we're trying to show too. up. And being on time is like the most important thing. I mean, when I used to work for a big office, I'd always be there in the parking lot, but like I'd come in maybe at the last minute because I hated everybody, <laughs> you know, or sometimes hated the people that were there or they were off, you know, players. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh. and then, but now, like, I get there the day before <laughs> because, you know, oh, yeah. you just don't know what you're going to encounter with the roads. I mean, uh-huh. you know, I had that, that episode about two months ago where I'm stuck on the 59th Street Bridge. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been stuck on the 59th Street Bridge. You know, no way to go unless yeah. you stop the oncoming traffic. Yeah. And another gig I had, it was at the Jockey Club, and it was the night they were lighting the tree. Oh, my God, that's the And the, the Jockey worst. Club is, like, really close to where they light the tree. Jockey Club? It sounds familiar, but I don't... It's not the 21 Club with the no, little jockeys the twi- in front. Oh, maybe it was the 21 Club, yeah. Yeah, that's right yeah, near that's the it. tree. Yeah, yeah, it's two blocks away. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I had to fight that. And then coming over the 59th Street Bridge, of course, it was a solo gig. Coming across the 59th Street, and there's like a mini blizzard on the 59th Street Bridge. All of a sudden, it's just like a complete whiteout. And that's pretty scary, especially if you're in that outer lane. Yeah. And you're like hanging you know, over the edge. I'm like, oh my God, where did this come from? And how long is it going to last? And you can't stop. You can't slow down because uh, it's only one skinny lane. Oh, God. Audience, it's just... Manhattan. It Manhattan has its own trials and tribulations. It's its, its own. own danger zone. And especially when you're alone, you got to double park your car, hope it's not banged into or towed away while you're trying to get your gear. In, this. in that one, in the front, you know, they have these stairs down in the front. They have like this. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to go in. Then you got to. It's full of ice. Yeah. Go around and to the back, downstairs, down the hallway, find the freight elevator, come up. You know, it's just like. Ugh. So are we going to do a credit of the week or are we going to leave it for uh, our mini podcast now? Yeah, because we're going to have a new feature. We're going to have, what did I call it? A sampler. A song sampler. We're going to post a song of Willa's and a song of mine each week as a little mini episode. Maybe not each week, but. Well, we're going to try. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) Because we've got lots of songs that we've written, all kinds of stuff, some in the same genre and some very different. You yes. know, that's the interesting thing about what we do because we played so many styles. We're influenced by a lot of styles. Yeah, and, no, I'm, I'm happy to be doing that. Yeah, and we like, you know, instead of directing you somewhere else, because one of the things we care a lot about is the music that we created ourselves, even though it hasn't propelled us into being millionaires. Yeah, it hasn't <laughs> been the way we make our living, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, but uh, we have made some money and we're very proud of it. And you yeah. want to see that on, um, that's right. on the platform. So, so please check it out. So you should know that we're recording this uh, about three days before Christmas, and we will be heading into the belly of the beast for New Year's Eve. We're playing right at the corner of Central Park and 59th Street, which is an all-day extravaganza. It's more than an all-day extravaganza. Last That's year right. it was a three-day. That's right. No, well, for me it was a three-day extravaganza because they gave me a room. I stayed over, and I left on the third day. Right. But yes. this year we're going to cram it in. That's right. That's right. It's always an adventure. It's always an adventure. The loading dock diaries. Yeah. But, you know, for me, it's also kind of great. I love New York City. And New York is insane on New Year's Eve. Manhattan is insane on New Year's Eve. They block off the streets. There's a million other people that come in just for that. Well, I have a good story about that, a, a real quick story. Good, tell. doesn't even um, have to be quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've done New Year's Eve at this venue, which is right near Central Park, many years in different fashion. Willa and I are doing a band together. Right. But many times I did just the cocktail lounge where I was doing piano bar and... There's a big window where you could see everybody being herded up Central Park South, all walking in one direction. There's police barricades. Are they walking toward Times Square? Well, yeah, and then they turn on 7th Avenue. So from 59th Street all the way down to 42nd. Right. There's just A stream of humanity. A stream, and it starts at like 12 o'clock. That's why they stop. That's why they close the streets. I know. uh, You know, if the people start showing up sooner, then they'll probably close it sooner. Hopefully they won't, but but they might because it'll be probably warm. Right. And then you just see them, you know, I start at like 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock, and you just see them, see them, see them. And when I used to do this years ago, because I've been there for many years, you would see people getting very excited at 10 to 12. Right. Like anywhere that you are. That's right. Now, for the last, say, 10 years or so, you see everybody standing like the Statue of Liberty with the arm up. Oh, with their cell phone. With their cell phone. Right. I mean, it's amazing. Everyone is just 
right. quiet. At, and five, ten, nine, eight, and everyone's filming the ball, which right. is like twenty blocks away. Wow. And then that happens, and everyone, like, you know, eventually, you know, they check their phones to make sure it happens. Or whatever. Or they, <laughs> then they finally, once they've caught it. Yeah. And then after watching them all walking in one direction, turning on down 7th Avenue, then everybody starts <laughs> walking the other way, like at 5 after 12. Right. And, you know, yeah. it's I, just insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. And from where we are up there, it's great to sort of have that vantage point and watch it from a remove. You know, we're safe up there in the ballroom. Oh, sure. And the other funny thing. Thing. And this is all about cell phones because that's that's about cell phones. The other thing was when I used to do Top of the Sixes mm-hmm. uh, with a band and you had a great view out the window of the fireworks. Right. So, you know, I would always have to count it down, mm-hmm. 10, 9, 8. Right. And then before anyone had a cell phone, it right. didn't matter how exact you were. But now you have to be. Well, now, yeah, you could look at it on your phone. <laughs> but before that, I had the cell phone. It kind of did matter in that gig because I'm counting down 10, 9, fireworks. Right. 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, <laughs> I was like right. eight seconds late, you know, yeah. and there was no hiding it. Yeah. The fireworks, you know. Brother. It's just amazing how the whole cell phone thing, it's like people... It's changed the way we live. It's changed the way we experience things because we don't experience oh. them firsthand. We have to document them as we're experiencing And the funny them. thing is, most of the time, you never look at it again. You I just want to know that you have it. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> you know how many screenshots I take a day? Like, I'm trying to learn a software and, oh, or yeah. I want to remember, yeah. like, this website. I, I mean... Yeah. 90% of my photos are screenshots of something Oh, my I God. At. A friend of mine... Well, I'm not going to say it. But anyway, guys, all this is to say we have... I have one more gig tomorrow night at, a, at an Irish bar, which is going to be nuts. I have two more gigs, yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Christmas wow, you're songs. going... You, so you're playing Christmas Eve. I am playing Christmas Eve. Wow. All the way up to the bitter end, Marla Jo. You I'm, go, girl. I'm even playing New Year's Day, and I don't want to, oh but I God. have to. Because it's not, it's just the restaurant. They happen to be right. open and nobody's So January gonna... 1st is not going to be your favorite day of the year this year. Well, it will be after 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it still will. Yeah. It still will. Because yeah. then we, we go to Florida. Oh, there you go. <laughs> anyway. Florida. Yeah, so then, and then we have the big New Year's Eve nightmare slash extravaganza. I was just going to ask you where you're going to be. I forgot you're with me. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be with you and other musicians that we really love. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we have like good friends in the band. We're going to have a great time. We're going to do some Fleetwood Mac for the maitre d'. Yeah, and gimme, gimme, gimme. Singing uh, the chain. And by the time you hear this, audience, it will all have been over and you'll be on to dreary January. <laughs> I have my 2024 neon glasses. Oh, Somebody gave you. me already. Great. <laughs> All right, and so we want to say we hope your holidays were great. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho from the ho, ho, ho's. <laughs> and uh, may your GPS never falter. That's right, and have a happy, happy whatever. Well, Best of we, us for the rest of us. Right, that's right, that's right. Okay, and until next time, we are the, the Gig Hoes. The Gig Host Podcast is produced and recorded by Marla Joe and Lula Bassin, also known as The Gig Host. Thanks to Doodle for opening voiceover.